Good afternoon, my friends. Taking a walk today down to a nice little area, nature area, near me so that I can um, go through these thoughts in my heart and in my head. There may be some pauses in this talk. It may be a little bit intermittent as I start and stop and uh, yet keep to the theme of the day, which is going to be how to feel more. Because without telling you what feelings to feel or what certain feelings even are. I just want to describe to you the mechanism of how we work that we can feel authentically, for real, and without any stress, without any resistance, so that these feelings are real, they're felt, and then they pass through, are dealt with, and then we're ready for the next moment. So what are feelings? Well, feelings are our primary feedback system so that we know we're alive. Because there's only feeling where there is aliveness. And this can be proven by the fact that we know we're alive because of feelings. Because of using our senses in order to navigate the world around us the world outside of us and also when we're still and not doing anything and almost more importantly the world inside of us how do we know we're alive when we're still when we're not doing anything by our feeling and that feeling is inherent it's a foundation it's the hum that our body provides us just for being alive without having to do anything, without having to prove anything, without having to think about it. And you'll see, that'll be integral to where I go in talking about what we are and how we've been created from life into a life form such as we are, as complicated as we are, and yet still as simple and integrated to life as we are, so that feeling within us, just as it is within every cell within us, just as it is, is it is within every life form on this planet and likely anywhere else in the universe there are life forms. The whole point of being alive is to know that you're alive, which means you feel it. And so, to get a little bit esoteric here, I don't know if you've listened to one of my previous podcasts where I talk about doing two um, experiences, taking hallucinogens, the only two times I ever have, having never been interested before or after, uh, recreationally. But I had met a medicine woman from Ecuador, from the Shuar tribe in, in the Amazon, with a, who had a, has a lifelong lineage of shamanic healing within her past and present. And when we met and crossed paths very um, synchronistically, we knew that we had some experiences to talk about together with regards to different approaches and perspectives about consciousness, about life, about what the heck this all means and what it's all about. And as I had never done anything before in my previous, ooh, I guess it was 47 years at that time, maybe 48. Uh, we both thought it would be interesting to be like, okay, well, Steve's already, already got a baseline openness to consciousness. Let's see where this might take us. So, 
the first of the two experiences was doing mushrooms. Um, straight up, whatever that means, because I don't actually know enough about any of these things to comment deeply on them, and I've only done the experience once and likely will never do it again. During this mushroom experience, which began by... Um, once once it, it hit, being... Uh, totally relaxed, lying down, and starting to see vivid colors and patterns fly through my scope of inner awareness, so my mind's eye, I guess, and seeing patterns and shapes and really neat connections of things. Um, for whatever reason, felt like it was on the left side of my head. <laughs> Don't know what that means, but it might mean something. But after a while, I sunk into this and it started slowing down. And then after a, another while, I started to feel energy and then see color and then sense the link between the two, the link between energy and form and matter and any expression of energy. And that space between was, to me, exemplary of what feeling is because it's the thing that connects the one to the other, energy to form. It's the space within you that connects your energetic being, your spirit body, to your physical body. Because if there was no connection between the two, existentially there'd be no point to be alive, and physically there'd be no feedback loop, which means you'd have no sensory perception to navigate the world outside you, which means you would die from almost anything you do, because you wouldn't know not to walk off a cliff. You wouldn't know not to walk into a fire. You wouldn't know not to eat certain foods. You wouldn't know when to stop drinking when you're having a, a drink of water. Um, so physical perception tied to energetic perception is feeling. And that's the fundament of what we are. You know, spirit exists without coming into form. Form exists without having spirit. You know, look at rocks, look at inanimate objects. But what makes a life form alive is the connection between the two. And the connection between the two is feeling. Okay, so now that we know what feeling is, we get an understanding of it. Why isn't it just that simple for humans to be here? to live our lives, and to just feel things. Why is it more complicated than that? Well, of course, we are more complicated than that because of our evolution. The fact that so many steps have t been taken for us to become the complicated beings we are, just as many other species on Earth are quite complicated. We have one step that most of them are missing, and that is the evolution of the self-conscious mind our brain, along with the little part of our mind that also expanded, that can be called ego, which is the controller of the brain, of the self-conscious mind. And because that happened at some point in our evolution, our, our physical brain grew. It needed more space because once we started looking outside of ourselves and knowing that we could think about the outside world, the environment around us and manipulate it as I've stated before many times you know a tree isn't just a tree in the human world anymore it is something we can take the seed from and plant where we want it it is something we can cut down cut into two by fours and build a house out of instead of just you know having the tree fall down and live 
under it and build a tent around it. It's, it's, it's us that has changed and our brain grew. And out of that growth, from looking around us and our ego watching that and taking part in prioritizing that we can do that and that there can be a benefit to it because it isn't always that way. It just It looks that way in hindsight a lot of the time, but it doesn't mean it's inherently true. But here's the gig where it comes to feeling. Whereas previously, and whereas with other species, feeling is all there is. You know, every other species just feels and senses to the point where they sense something before it happens. You know, animals know when there's impending natural disasters because they have no interference to their energy being open to the potential ripples and waves in energy that precede an actual physical event. We have that capacity too, but it's been buried. It's been numbed down. Underneath what? Thinking. And because we switched over at some point to thinking, with that thinking having very likely saved us at some point in our history, the ego then said within ourselves, thinking is very important. We can figure our way through time into the future, focusing more on thinking than on feeling. And so in order to facilitate that, we had to get some reward for thinking. Now the reward, of course, like I've explained before, tens of thousands of years ago might have been that our brain was stimulated into a quick response and actually saved us by focusing our energy outward and looking at the world differently, connecting some dots and expanding our, our thinking capabilities that made us take action based on those, those observed mental um, self-conscious mind thoughts and save ourselves, physically save ourselves. And of course, what does saving yourself do? It feels good. To continue to be alive feels good. Being alive in the first place should feel good for no reason. Continuing feels good. Now, if our thinking was responsible for, for that, and our ego has a small portion of running the mind that facilitated that, what's going to happen? The ego is going to go, well, look at that. I made a good feeling happen. Therefore, I can be responsible for your feelings. Now, it took that one event to do that. In order for you to feel good from me, I need to find more reasons for you to feel good about yourself. So let's, let's think more. Let's create more things. Let's see what we can make out of it. And Lord, let me tell you, what have we made out of it? Uh, take a look at the majority of the world structures in cities and civilization that you see. The human self-conscious mind has created that from not from nothing it's all from nature it's all from nature but the basis of it is thinking thought patterns you know making connections thinking up how to do something and then taking steps to do it and what happens when we go through that process we have a thought we set a goal we implement that through action and then we look back at it and we've completed it there's a feeling of satisfaction what is that you feel alive it's a good feeling there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But the whole cycle that that thinking to feeling has is one step removed from directly feeling and acting and having thoughts just come and go without having to have them in order to have any further feeling from them. And of course, this isn't just a positive thing. We all know that we can just sit there and think 
and have sad thoughts. Because thinking has been enabled to such a degree that unfortunately a lot of people think that their thinking is also where the solution is, which is the fallacy, the great fallacy that I need to dispel by speaking about it, by more importantly, by showing it. Because I've lived the last eight years of my life without having gotten my feelings from my thoughts. Just doesn't happen. Why? Disconnection. A purposeful disconnection. I know that's not what I want, so I don't chase it. I don't allow my thoughts to run rampant and lead the way. Do I think? Of course I think. My brain has to be doing some thinking right now just for me to be talking to you. But does it mean after I'm done I'll go, oh, wow, that was some great thinking. I am so smart. My God, I should be satisfied with myself today and get this big swelling feeling in my chest because I am, you know, just so amazing for having figured this out. Uh, No, no. I'm here. I already feel good inside. The existential feeling is alive within me all the time. There's only one thing that gets in the way of that, and that has been recurrent health problems with fatigue and headaches, which I've chased down and am mitigating and just about at the point of eliminating for the rest of this life. And that feels good. Again, not because I'm smart that I figured it out, because I'm certainly not angry at how it came to be, even though, you know, I'll explain that in a separate podcast, but it's a bit of a crap show that... Everything that physically led to that was never anything I did to myself. It was just part of living today, being alive in the world at a time where systems and structures are so big that they say, this is good for you, that's good for you. And then 40 years later, not true. As is evidenced by a lot of human beings suffering from things such as autoimmune disease, you know, heart attacks, strokes, diabetes of the unnatural variety. You know, I could go on and on, but I won't. Back to the story of feeling... And getting our feelings from thinking, which is a slippery slope because it keeps the mind busy. And as I was explaining, everything we see around us, houses, roads, structures, almost all the wars that have happened. Oh, I could go on and on because once I start saying things, the list is inexhaustible practically but just take a second to contemplate that almost everything you see that's constructed that isn't actually nature a tree a stream a rock the rainfall the sun the sunlight almost everything we have built by rearranging nature and the only reason we can rearrange it in the real world is because our thoughts rearrange it in our mind first we look at the outside world and we learn And again, unto itself, that's neither a good nor bad thing. It's quite amazing that we are what we are. It's pretty freaking amazing, and I am blown away by it. But the trouble is is that we've been blind to the consequences of that very thinking. We've lost the capacity to question how it may feel if we do this thing and see it through. Because the systems and structures that have become so big have people running them who get their feeling only from the continued existence of the systems and structures which is one step removed from how we feel as human beings being alive simply for the feeling of being alive with our system and structure already doing what it needs to do to facilitate that with a very minimal need for anything other than food shelter water community the safety and security of knowing who you are and being able to express that 
on a daily basis. So, besides what's going on inside human beings, which is the human condition, which is quite unique among species on Earth, that being the, the one fundamental difference between us and other species, what's going on that a lot of people have lost connection to feeling? And when you lose connection to feeling and you become reliant on thinking to supply your feeling and you're even unaware that that is what's happening, then there's epidemic disconnects and existential problems which leads to depression, anxiety, stress. Things that cannot be solved on the mind, in the mind, sorry, on the level of thinking. So someone, I believe it was Einstein, even said, you know, problems cannot be solved on the level with which they were created. Which really just means, take a step back and look at the big picture. And I'm explaining all this to you because that's exactly what I did in 2014. After a few years of contemplating and probably 20 to 25 years, if not a lifetime, of knowing that there must be something more simple to explain how all this works and you know it is the human condition and being able to explain what we are that to me is what I'm talking about that is of utmost importance here more than anything I've done in this lifetime because if it can help you feel like yourself and good about yourself then uh, more of us will do that and inspire it in others and there could be a paradigm shift whereby we actually take care of ourselves and each other and the world around us in a more healthy way because where we are now is a very busy time in humanity and it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see how busy it is because humans have thought themselves themselves into being everywhere on the planet it is only our thinking that has enabled us to not just have an environment but we consider the whole world our home and our environment and regardless of whether or not there are too many of us or not, which I don't particularly care about one way or the other, the fact is is that in order for this to continue, the mind is still thinking more, more, more. And this is what we need to understand as the fundamental difference between thinking and feeling. Feeling is satisfying unto itself. When you feel good, you feel good. When you feel healthy, you feel healthy. When you feel love, you feel love. When you think you feel love, and then it diminishes, you need to think about another way, reason, in which you can feel love again. It might be the same feeling in the end, and this is where it gets tricky, but where it originated from has become the challenge. Because in a busy world, a lot of people actually live quite satisfying lives using the systems, the systems that were completely born of thinking and, of course, born with a tinge of ego. Ego is always going to be, haha, look at me, I did that. But it's never enough because once something has been created, the ego and the mind want to know, what can I do next? What's more? There's no stillness. There's no relaxation. There's no satisfaction with something actually being complete being enough because the mind apparently can hold almost unlimited amounts of information which means thinking unless something steps in to stop it doesn't have to stop that's why people who make a hundred thousand dollars need to make a hundred and four thousand next year that's why bill gates 
billions are never going to be enough because he's not chasing more money. Never was. He's literally just chasing the next thought. His mind and the associated ego within him, which is really running the show for that human being, is merely on autopilot. What's next? What's next? What's next? Because this person and people like that feel good about themselves when any idea that they have takes form, gets implemented, and thus validates that the thinking was okay in the first place. When, um, in hindsight, we can say about a lot of things that have led to industry, to corporations, to government, to leaders, to kings and queens, things that were ideas that led to these things, in hindsight, can we say, um, hmm, that was a great idea, that helped everyone, the planet is way better off for that having happened? Of course not doesn't mean it was 100% wrong, but I'm going to say a lot of those things weren't even close to a few percent helpful in the end because of the state of the world, which is a reflection of the state of the human condition. And again, the word of the day is busy. A lot of what we do right now, a lot of what keeps going and pushing and needing to be more economic growth, there needs to be more of this, there needs to be expansion, there needs to be... Why? Why? Why does this need to happen? The ego in our mind is the only instigator of these things. And that isn't real until it actually happens and validates it. Irregardless of the collateral damage, because the ego doesn't know about collateral damage, and when it does, it deflects from it, lies about it, covers it up, and then heads off in another direction. Because that's what the ego does. That's what our mind does. It just keeps going forward. It keeps talking. It keeps the narrative. And you can read into that and apply it to so many things without being... Uh, conspiracy-minded about it, because Lord knows I'm not. I don't even have that kind of mind or capacity to want to think that way. Um, that's way too, uh, way too much thinking for a person that doesn't think so much. And there's no net, n- no need for it. It's not necessary. And my mind isn't busy. My mind's probably the least busy mind of anyone I know because I am. I'm already happy. I'm satisfied. I don't. I don't need to prove anything to anyone outside of myself to be a happy person, to be a healthy person, to be an integrated and balanced person, which to me was always the goal and, uh, you know, is obviously a worthwhile goal because the uh, reward is feeling, is feeling like yourself, as yourself, within yourself and able to express yourself and inspire that in others and joyously want to see that for others. So how do you get unbusy? How do you find the stillness? Well, I'm out here in nature, and I'm overlooking a small lake, trees around, birds chirping, insects all over the place, buzzing around. You know, there are thousands of things for my mind that my mind could latch onto, and yet it doesn't. You know, my mind doesn't get busy looking at all these trees the way it would in the city or in in um, society. Because everything here is relatively safe. Everything here is a very known factor. Why? Because we came from nature. Our very being knows this. This is why there is a stillness associated with being in nature. This is why we seek it out. This is why we seek out social interaction with other humans too. It feels good. Just for the sake of it. No other reason. Not because you're going to get something from people. They're not going to give you something other than what they naturally have. Which is who they are. And that's the most beautiful thing to share. Now compare this thing around me where there's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of points of information that my mind doesn't latch on to because it doesn't need to compared to 
how a lot of people experience stress, which is being in the middle of the city, being in the middle of a situation, being in the middle of a crowd, and their mind going on autopilot. Why? Because you don't know what any of those things are inherently, what they're going to do. They didn't come from you. You didn't think of them. You didn't create them in the first place. So are they good? Are they bad? Are they a danger? Are they helpful? What's the story? What's really going on? And so your mind... Because it created them, those things came from the level of thinking. Your mind is interested in them inherently, and it wants to think and reflect on them. It wants to make something out of them. Most of the time, that's drama, and that's unnecessary thinking leading to unnecessary feelings. That's the busy work of the mind. And as I was alluding to a few minutes ago, a lot of the state of the world is just the busy work of the mind. The last two years have been bloody exemplary of that. The mind is just keeping busy saying, you know, the vaccines are the solution, and then this is the solution, and then this is bad, then masks work, then they don't, then these mandates work, then they don't. Inherently, the ego doesn't give a crap. It doesn't matter how many people live, how many people die, how many people are right, how many people are wrong. The ego could give a crap because the ego is an energetic portion of your self-conscious mind that is there and isn't real. Which is why it needs for you to take action, doing things in the world to validate that there is a semblance of reality to the ego. So where does your freedom lie? Beyond that realm of thinking. And certainly beyond having your ego represent you in the world via any thought, thought form, concept, idea. Even when those things are helpful. Because I certainly have ideas that are helpful. Steve's the landscaper. He's good at it. He makes money over here. He's a runner. He does good over there. He's inspiring. He talks about stuff and helps people with their health or their state of mind over there. But do I care about any of the labels of those things, the concepts of those things? No, I care about showing up as the person underneath those labels on a very constant and consistent basis, which I do. That's freedom. That's how you free yourself from the busyness of thinking, the busy work, which takes you into the future about what could be and draws from your past to make you feel good or bad about yourself based on all the things we know lead to those feelings we don't want, which is what do others think of us? How am I compared to society? What am I doing within the society? Well, you can ask yourself how you feel about the society. How you feel about the human condition having created all this. I'm not a big fan of a lot of it. I'm not even a big fan of holding this phone in my hand so that I can talk to you. But this is the world today and this is the way it is. So I'm not going to think about it deeper than that right in the moment. And that's fine and is where I find my peace of mind. I try not to overuse the systems that came from thinking with ego attached. Because I know there's collateral damage. And you can find your way somehow by doing the same, by simplifying, by slowing down, by creating space. You create space in your mind by not responding to your own thoughts, because likely a lot of them were never your own in the first place. They were just put there because they're part of the collective consciousness of self-conscious mind of humanity. And there's a tinge of ego with all of it with everyone. doesn't make us egotistical and putting ourselves prime. That's saved for these people at the the tops of the systems who keep the systems going and have an inherent belief that the systems are fundamentally good and are necessary and need to be there to even be able to live a human life or perhaps a satisfying human life when nothing could be further from the truth. Doesn't mean we need to throw it all away, but it does mean we can 
shift. We can make an inner shift that will express outwardly in a way that will rebalance. And of course, if we create systems and structures or allow them to create themselves outside of ourselves from a deeper sense of stillness, what do you think they'll look like? Do you think they'll look as busy as they look now? Do you think there'll be as much information needed as now? Do you think we'll need to be you know, looking at Instagram and TikTok videos all day just for a little hit of dopamine? Hell no, because that, that won't compare to the inner feeling of just being satisfied with yourself and showing up and seeing what could happen next and making something's happening from that feeling. The thinking that's necessary to take the next step will always spring into action because we're, we're made that way. We have that capacity. It's there. It's always going to be there now. But I'd like to see so many more people slow down the inside game to the point where they can feel for the sake of feeling just as all of nature does, which is where we come from. So that return to nature is just a solid connection inside of ourselves that brings us back home to where we came from. Contemplate that home for a moment. Maybe even pause the podcast and then come back and I'll wrap things up. All right. Hope you took a minute between there to relax and contemplate. And let's wrap up these thoughts on creating stillness within, even though we have a busy mind. Let me give you a little story. There's a place in Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is the quietest room in the world. And what that means is in this, I think it's a sound studio, they've put so much deadening in that any noise that emanates from an object, from a person, is sucked up by this deadening. It doesn't reflect back. And very so often as humans, we require feedback. Lord knows the ego requires feedback in order for validation. In fact, that's all it requires is feedback. doesn't matter if it's good, bad, positive, or negative, harmful, or helpful. It doesn't matter. And I'd like to go into this room one day because I could sit there indefinitely. Now, I've heard stories, and they say on certain websites, the longest anyone's ever sat there is 45 minutes. Most people go crazy because they don't know what to do. They go insane, which is, of course, only a capacity of the mind. It's not like they go insane forever, but they just want to get out of the room. Because it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. For me in that room, I'd be right at home. Why? I am always at home in my own body prior to thinking. I'm okay with stillness. I'm completely comfortable with not having any feedback, any noise, any validation, internal or external. I still know that I'm alive. In fact, I know it ever more. And so this is maybe the ultimate test, but it also is the ultimate proof that if you're in thinking, you are in some degree incapacitated from fully feeling. There's a correlation between the two. A direct correlation, because there has to be. We can't be doing it all at once. We can be aligned in thinking and feeling. In other words, not overthinking, but truly thinking what we're doing and 
aligned. The two things are the same, which means they're vibrating at the same frequency, which means there's no resistance. That's the key, which means feeling is usually elevated. And again, I'll relate this to when I talk to people, when I'm counseling people, when I'm just sharing stories and then I hear other people's stories. And as we're talking, the spirits rise usually. There's a twinkling in the eye. You can just feel that it's easy. It's easier. There's a lightness that starts to happen. I personally, I start to feel high just for being so inhabited by feeling only. Thoughts and words are being spoken and they're perhaps helpful, but they're by no means necessary. They only help because we're human and this is one way in which we do relate to each other. Now, if we speak from feeling and try and put that into words, that's as close as we can get. Because, you know, saying I love you isn't the same as just experiencing love. And it can't be. It's always diminished. Because there's a disconnect. And thus illuminating the disconnect, which is what this episode has featured to a very deep degree. And which I hope you take at least a nugget or two from to reassure you, not to tell you, to reassure you of what you already know, that you are who you are. And now you know more about what you are because you know how you work and that through no fault of your own, maybe you think too much. Maybe you feel depressing feelings because they come from negative thoughts. Maybe you feel too many good feelings because they come from positive thoughts, also from ego. Either way, it's the same game. Most people, of course, want to feel good, so a lot of people in our society do prop themselves up based on what they're doing and material ideas of success. The proof of which is, look, I have a lot of money, therefore I am successful. On that level, the ego is winning. There's the proof. But we all know the happiest people in the world are not leaders, billionaires, whatever amounts to proof that doing and creating things is the ultimate thing for a human because it's not if we're not careful a lot of us will go down that slippery slope of giving over to the mind giving over to information creating it all and we'll speak about transhumanism artificial intelligence and all of these very silly propositions that uh, have nothing to do with humanity or being human no matter what guise it's being proposed under you have everything you need right now We always have. Humans have been on the planet for hundreds of thousands of years. It obviously works. We work. We've evolved properly in many capacities. We've evolved perhaps a little too much. Not that there is such a thing, but now it's a matter of management. Hello, fellow humans, and thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, Ever since I got this thing started, which was years in the making... I've been excited about uh, doing this, and only this. It's what gives me the most pleasure in life is helping others help themselves, and it's actually what I know the best, despite all the other things I've studied for and uh, have had as careers, as experiences, as hobbies, as connections with life. This is it. So to that end, if you'd like to experience, if you'd like to support a very simple human doing this, it doesn't take much for me to survive, And anything over and above that that I ever make from this will always go back into helping others directly. And you can support me 
by finding me on Red Circle Podcasts, which may be where you're listening. Uh, There's donating information there. I also have an account with something called LibraPay, where you can find me as Steve Alat, or you can send uh, a donation through PayPal, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. If any of those aren't sufficient or fail, send me an email. Again, steve at illuminatingthedisconnect.com. We can figure something out. And uh, thanks for listening. I really, really hope it helps. And if it does, do send me a message. Thanks for your support.